Hey. How's everybody feeling tonight? We got a Friday night ahead of us. I don't even know. Um, I don't even know if you are ready for tonight. Well, it's not going to be th- anything too mind blowing. Maybe it will because we're going to talk about the mind a little bit because there's going to be some dreams, dreams discussed. Discussing dreams. That'll be in the second half of the show mainly. First half, we have to get a little bit of. I have a good grab bag here. I've got a good grab bag over here, and I've also some news that we got to take into consideration based on two messages that I was sent, and I previewed that last night. Has to do with war, and then we have to get into this uh, this 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 arcanicide story that's that's coming back with new details and all that the Clinton advisor with Jeffrey Epstein links that has uh, that managed to shoot himself in the chest and throw the gun away and then hang himself by a extension cord in a tree and it was ruled a suicide so very talented people in this country you have to you have to admit you have to admit we're a very talented bunch But I wanted to just uh, thank you all for the time this entire week because it has been a fantastic one. I've got to say, and next week, we are officially booked from start to finish. That's right. I thought next week was going to be slim pickings. It was just going to be you and I doing whatever came our way, clearing the table, but no. And I'm excited about this one. Rich Barris is going to be on with us on Monday, the 27th. And I think we're going to continue now our last Monday of the month with Rich Barris. On Tuesday night, it's a short show. This is just off from memory because I don't have it in my notes over here yet. On Tuesday night, it's a short show because of band practice. But I think that we might have a really, uh, really great guest in the form of a Zoom call. I can't wait to have this guy in studio, but he just protested in, in in really awesome, articulate ways out there in New York City. We'll play that on Tuesday. His name is Jose Vega, and he went and protested Akeem Jeffries at some location in New York and really brought the fire to him about, about uh, Ukraine and Nord Stream and stopping this charade before we all get incinerated. So Jose Vega is going to be on with us on Tuesday night, and I'm going to I'm going to play you his his video and all that stuff. It's uh, it's really incredible stuff, and it's good that he's so close. He's so close to the studio because we can collaborate a little bit more. There's there's some really badass New Yorkers out here, really are still are some, you know. There's got to be. It's just too many people, but that is on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, the first. We are bringing back Jeffrey Peterson because I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you saw this. Let me get uh, let me get this up real quick. I didn't didn't have it ready because I didn't think I was going to go into it. But we have all the time in the world tonight. Where the hell? Okay, here we go. This is getting around a little bit more. I'm going to have a full breakdown of what is said. And then we're going to get into what's going on with Jeffrey Peterson. This is from Shady Groove on Twitter covering what's going on in 
Arizona. Explosive testimony today at Senate elections and House oversight hearings by Jackie Berger outlining the most complex investigation into political corruption in Arizona. Katie Hobbs and her husband are laundering cartel money through fake deeds and mortgages, they claim. Now, we are going to get into this because in 2019, when we brought Jeffrey Peterson on for the first time, and he's been on quite a few times since then, that, and I, I've been sharing this this episode around with all of the the publishings of these, uh, what's going on in this uh, this hearing, but if you go back to 2019 when Jeffrey Peterson was first on, it's called, the title of the episode is called The Arizona Mafia. And Jeffrey was on to talk about his time as being a, uh, a close colleague and member of Democrat Party business out there in Arizona and how he realized that the especially the Democrat Party, but along those border states, are deeply embedded and deeply in, uh, deeply in business with the Mexican Mexican cartels and that it is a gigantic story and back then you know it hey I, I thought it was intriguing it was a great conversation to have and we put it on the record and that, that that's 2019 now I said Jeffrey you got to come back on and we got to do this from soup to nuts and we got to talk about exactly what's in this video here because it's a whole there's, there's a lot of people on the fence they don't know what they trust about the story what they trust about Jeffrey and all that stuff and now this is a lot of a lot of validation so that'll be on Wednesday night, the first, and then on Thursday night, the the second. Who the hell do we have on Thursday night? Stephen Jonathan. He comes back on to talk education, but the role of theology in creating an authentic language and education for for children. The true meaning of science versus scientism. And then the big one is Friday, March 3rd, Dr. Peter McCullough comes back on with me. And I'm actually going to see if I can get Jay Gulanello to be sitting in here with me for that one because I only have, I only have uh, Dr. McCullough for a half hour. And then there's a second half, which I would love to have Jay talk about what he just heard. Maybe he can get a question in, and then we can just expand on that. Next week is going to be dynamite. It really is. It really is. So... You just strap in. I'm excited already. All right. All right. Well, uh, and also on Monday, we're going to be doing the C.S. Lewis book raffle. And there's plenty of people already. If you have the entire weekend, go to, quite frankly, superchat.com and put as little as $2 in. As long as your name is in once, that's all it takes. You're not counting more than once. So everything outside of that one super chat is just you having a good time interacting and supporting the show. And I hope that many more people sign up because I want you to enjoy this book. And on Tuesday, I will be putting the entire book club broadcast series that we did in the month of January public so that you can go and watch it and uh, be part of book club. You're not, oh, you're not completely boxed out. It's just that uh, for, for live access to those sessions, you got to be a monthly sponsor. And that doesn't take much either. So I hope that many of you go and consider that for March when we do Brave New World with Jay Dyer. All right. Oh, and let me give you another one to, to, to chew on. I don't know when we're going to do it. Maybe in June. I think we do March. Clean month of March. We take off April. We take off May. And then maybe in June. We are going to do Alexi de Tocqueville, Democracy in America. And the co-host for that book has already said that they would love to do it, Chris Ann Hall. So we're, that is going to be 
an American history throwback awesome book club full of so much history it's going to it's almost going to be overwhelming and it's going to be right at that patriotic time of the year you know memorial day yeah you we have our uh, our fourth of july coming up and all that it's going to be great so and then in the fall we're going to do the godfather mario puzo and that'll be for all of you pulp fiction fans out there because i know i know that's i can't wait to experience that for the first time all right what do we have what have we what have we wrought i want to go into newsweek here is our grab bag now ladies and gentlemen the grab bag is as follows alex jones says the doj wants to seize his cat those bastards for sandy hook families info what are they going to eat the cat what do all the families want with one cat are they going to eat it or are they going to share custody Infowars host Alex Jones said that the U.S. Department of Justice is trying to seize his cat after the defamation lawsuits he lost against the Sandy Hook shooting victims' families. After, uh, According to Jones, the DOJ suspects that he used the pet to hide cash. They, he what? Like inside? The, is it a taxidermied cat? In a video shared on Twitter by attorney Ron Filipowski, Filipkowski, Filipkowski, the P and the K there, so close together, very challenging. Jones speaks to viewers while holding and petting a large ragdoll cat, talking about appearing at his bankruptcy hearing, which he said lasted a total of three hours. Jones added that the DOJ spent probably five minutes of the meeting on the topic of his cat. Quote, they wanted to know if assets were hidden in the cat. The cat was like $200. It's a ragdoll cat. We really do love it, but they were really serious about the cat and its value, and they may want the cat for the Sandy Hook families. Like, well, so the cat, it's, they thought that the cat itself, the breed, um, more on the cat, because now they're going over the whole Sandy Hook thing. What about the cat? Jones called the alleged idea of giving up his cat the order of the DOJ harassment. You guys aren't getting the cat, he said. This is next level. This is harassment. No one ever heard of this. My lawyer has never heard of this. This is just insane. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to laugh, but this is ridiculous. They inquired. Just the fact that they inquired about the value of the cat is ridiculous. All right. Well, here's another one from Sputnik. Another one from Sputnik. Headline, hitting the rewind button and traveling through time is possible, study hints. The possibility of time travel, the concept of movement between certain points in time, has long captivated the minds of both scientists and science fiction writers alike. Scientific theories about time travel abound, interspersed with terms like wormholes, black holes, and space-time warp. We have made science fiction come true. A collaboration of scientists has announced, claiming that they have discovered a trick to speed up time. It's possible to excel, this is a quote, accelerate, decelerate, and reverse the flow of time within arbitrary, even uncontrolled quantum systems. Spanish researchers Miguel Navascuez and David Trio from the Institute of Quantum Optics and Quantum Information 
of the Austrian Academy of Sciences, along with the Austrian researcher Philip Walter and the University of Vienna's experimental physics group have discovered. So what do they see? What are they saying here? The, science, the scientists have revealed in a spate of papers published on preprint servers that quantum particles, the smallest physical particle that can exist without being broken down, can be rejuvenated or reverted to a previous state. They say in a theater, classical phys- physics, a movie is projected from the beginning to the end regardless of what the audience wants. But at home, the quantum world, we have a remote control to manipulate the movie. We can rewind to a previous scene or skip several scenes ahead. And that was the analogy that Miguel Navascuas used to explain the finding. Developed by scientists from the Austrian Academy of Sciences, a rewind protocol enables any particle, such as an electron or proton, to revert to different quantum states from different points in time. David Trio proved this both in theory and experimentally by using a photon that evolves while passing through a crystal. A quantum switch, that's what they call it, an experimental device was used to allow a photon of light to revert to its previous state. It was one of the most difficult experiments we've ever built for a single photon. The fascinating thing is that the particles can return to a state you know nothing about, Philip Walter told Spanish media. They pointed out that unlike earlier discovered protocols that offered a certain probability level, the new mechanism can be relied upon to always prove successful unless the experimental device is totally invisible to the qubit. That is the basic unit of quantum information in quantum computing. This is something I would love to talk to somebody like um, like uh, Brooks Agnew about. actually brought this up with him. I should save this, keep this uh, bookmarked, and uh, I'll see what we can construct. As to whether one could replicate this experiment with a human, the team explained it would be practically impossible. Okay, well then who the fuck cares then? What are you, th- what are you talking to us about? So, so you drag me along because you, oh great I'm happy for your cubits I'm sure somebody understands how significant this is but we only care about whether or not a human being can travel through time Uncle Rico wants to know if he can go back in time and if he can seize the moment at the big football game in 1980 you got to give him you got to give him a chance here bet you I could throw a football over the mountains. That's what we wanted to hear about. So thanks for bringing us right to the end. And then blue balls. Alrighty. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. How about we go over to the New York Post. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller defends Robert Downey Jr. blackface in Tropic Thunder. This was a thing today. Because, you know, as the the new generations continue to come up and they become more and more, I don't know, mentally ill, emotionally unstable, untethered to reality, they dig through time to see things that, that, uh, that, that make them offended. And I think they, some people at least just discovered Tropic Thunder, which let me just say is one of the best films in the 21st century. And I think by the end of the 21st century, it will still be one of the best films ever made. It is absolutely hilarious. The, 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 the drama that is created, the melodrama that is created inside of this is just incredible. 
incredible. We got to play that. Maybe we'll play that on Sunday night on on the uh, on the network. Nice little treat for everybody. Ben Stiller isn't sorry about Tropic Thunder. The 2008 film has drawn criticism for its portrayal of disability, as well as the fact that Robert Downey Jr. wore blackface in it. Stiller, 54, 57 years old, responded to a tweet that asked him to please stop apologizing for doing this movie. And I, I, I don't know why, who he thought was apologizing. I don't know. I guess somebody was putting words in his mouth because he said, I make no apologies for Tropic Thunder. I don't know who told you that. It's always been a controversial movie since we opened, proud of it, and the work everyone did on it. Stiller, who both starred in and directed the film, tweeted that. And um, the movie follows a group of, as maybe some of you don't know, but on Sunday night now, I think you should tune in at 9 o'clock and enjoy this with us. Or maybe I'll, I'll start it at 10. Um... The movie follows a group of actors who get lost in a jungle while shooting a war film and are left to fend for themselves as they face real danger with nothing but their acting skills. And um, and uh, the same Twitter user brought attention to the 2018 tweet from Stiller. The actor was responding to a tweet joking about boycotting Tropic Thunder after Sean White, an Olympic gold medalist snowboarder, dressed as Simple Jack, a disabled character in the film for Halloween. The simple Jack character alone, you know, and this is this is the the struggle of these awesome films is that then you have Ben's the, the the image of Ben Stiller, you know, practically bowing before President Zelensky. Wow, wow, you know, you know, just like that got that. I'm always fighting with things like that. I have to just block that all out and let this be what it is. So. um so yeah, but as far as Robert Downey Jr. as Sergeant Lincoln Osiris, nothing. Be- I mean, Jack Black is incredible. Jack Black working through addiction in that in that uh, in that movie is incredible. I mean, everything is just amazing. So I'm I'm really excited about the weekend now, and I'm so glad for these ninnies that that remind me that these movies exist, and they always will. But let's go on into um, let's go on into since we're talking about blackface, Black Panther, Angela Davis. You hear about this one? Asked to pay reparations after she finds out that she actually has ancestry that goes back to the Mayflower. That's right. After an entire lifetime of violent rabble rousing, she is a colonizer. Angela Davis, a far-left activist, communist, and former Black Panther, discovered on a recent episode of PBS Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates Jr. that she is one of the select Americans who are descended from the Mayflower Pilgrims and that her ancestors were slave owners, revelations causing some to demand she pay reparations. Can we start calling Angela Davis Sergeant Lincoln Osiris, please? On Tuesday, Gates tweeted a clip from the uh, from the episode which had him presenting her with the genealogical research proving her heritage. Any idea what you're looking at, he asked. That is a list of the passengers on the Mayflower, Davis replied. No, I can't believe this. No, my ancestors did not come on the Mayflower here. Any idea what you're looking at? That is a list of the passengers on the Mayflower. 
No, I can't believe this. No. My ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. You, your ancestors came no. on the Mayflower. No, no, no. You no. are descended no, no, no. from one of the 100... I'm surprised she didn't have a leftover Molotov cocktail in her purse or something. I, I'm surprised she, she, she wasn't carrying some kind of uh, explosive device. And one people who sailed on the Mayflower. Oof. That's a little bit too much <laughs> to deal with right now. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you may have descended from people who laid never the foundation never. for this country? Never, <laughs> never. So there you go. How about we all just take it easy? But that's not an option, as we'll get into on Monday. I already know what I want to talk about with Rich. Uh, Matt Walsh posted on Twitter... Um, on her father's side is a pilgrim. On her mother's side is a slave owner. Looks like Angela Davis owes some reparations. That's um, the 79-year-old Davis, a professor at the University of California, because that's where all of the old weather underground terrorists go. They got uh, they got jobs on U- American university, American campuses with tenure. A professor, if you fought, if you showed up to January sixth, and you were waving a, a a Trump flag, forget about it. You're gonna rot for the rest of your life in in jail. Angela Davis, though, is a professor at University of California Santa Cruz, and former member of the Black Panther Party, a Communist Party USA, was involved in the armed takeover of a California courtroom in 1970. Uh, guns registered to her were used in the courtroom incident, which saw four people killed. She was placed on the FBI's most wanted list and later jailed was eventually acquitted of conspiracy to commit murder charges. Further revelations from the television program, which uses DNA research to track down a person's genealogy, showed that Davis was also the progeny of a slave owner, Stephen Darden, who fought in the Revolutionary War. One other user tweeted the following, Angela Davis, an openly Marxist professor professor at the University of California, just found out that some of her ancestors are white racist colonizers that she's been teaching against her whole life. Not only that, she's a descendant from a a slave owner. Looks like she owes some reparations. Well, it's uh, it's just nice to see the comedy write itself from time to time. Actually... It's more than time to time that that happens. Just got to keep your eyes open and uh, don't follow their bouncing ball. All right, we'll be right back. Share this out far and wide. I put all the live links across the Quite Frankly socials, and I would love to see some record-breaking Friday night viewership. All right? On, On YouTube and on Rumble, remind your friends in the chat room the entire time. Hey, did you hit the like button? Because you guys are 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 really helping me out in big ways. On YouTube, we, we pick up almost 100 subscribers a week. I know that there are some people out there doing thousands a day, but for me, that's better than standing still, and we were standing right in one place for years. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, 
There goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome, welcome. It's the last it's the last show of the week. We're always here for the last show of the week, it seems. Moves by so quick, but that's what happens when you're having fun. So ladies and gentlemen, please give this episode a thumbs up, share the link, and you can dump those super chats on me. I will be checking them out throughout this episode as it is just you and I here here we go first one up now this is what I wanted to bring up uh, bring up with you last night and I was trying to find ways of just moving things around because it's just too much we only have two hours we only have two hours but this is an exclusive that's actually a follow-up from a story that we talked about last year Arkansas cops rule suicide in the death of Clinton aide linked to Jeffrey Epstein, who was found shot and tied to a tree with an electrical cord around his neck despite no sign of a weapon. Bill Clinton special advisor Mark Middleton, who signed Jeffrey Epstein into the White House several times, killed himself in May of 2022. His body and his car were found at the the Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas. So we spoke about this last last year. Obviously, there was a lot less information available. Now there is more information, and it's uh, it, it makes no sense. Well, it makes sense to people to know that know what's going on here. The grisly scene where a top Bill Clinton advisor was found hanged from a tree with a gunshot wound to his chest has finally been revealed nine months later after he died. But the sheriff's report into Mark Middleton's mysterious death raises more questions than answers as it rules that he died by suicide despite no sign of the weapon that killed him. Middleton, 59, was found dead last May at the Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas, an hour west of Little Rock. A release of the report was held up after members of his family petitioned the judge. They were worried that pictures from the gory scene would be made public. The judge eventually ruled that details would be released, but photographs could not. Poor guy, really. Um, The report, written by Perry County Sheriff Deputy Jeremy Lawson, said he was called to the ranch by worker Samantha McElroy, or McElroy, who had found Middleton's abandoned black BMW SUV. McElroy, 46, then walked around a cottage on the ranch. Almost immediately after stepping around the corner of the cottage, she started yelling. Upon reaching the back of the cottage, she pointed toward the car of the property and asked if that was a person. 
I can see what at first appeared to be a man sitting near a tree. As my eyes focus better, I can see a rope of some type going from the tree limb to the male. I can see that he had a gunshot wound to his chest and that he had a knot tied in an extension cord that was around his neck and it was attached to the limb directly above him. The deputy said a search of Middleton's vehicle turned up three boxes of buckshot and a gun case, but no weapon. The details give fresh insight into the death of Middleton, a married father of two daughters aged 18 and 20, who was found dead on May 7th of last year. So, horrific. Uh, and then they go and they, they talk about all of Jeffrey Epstein's visits to the White House and and how this guy was signing him. And, now, and, now, and who knows what's known and who knows how important he was. Uh, as far as loose ends, is this just uh, house cleaning? Do you just need to do this from time to time to remember to remind everybody to shut up? I don't know how how these people get anybody working with them. Still, I guess at this point it's just I, I don't know. But anyway, here's the whole thing: it's ruled a suicide. The guy's hanging from a tree. He shot himself in the chest, apparently, with a shotgun. Buckshot, all right? They didn't say anything about bird shot, nothing about about practice target rounds or whatever the hell it was. Buckshot to the chest, which means that he could have only done something like that point blank, probably had to use his toe or something to do it. Um, so he shoots himself in the chest with a, with a shotgun and then disposes of the gun because up until right then, they said that they had not found it anywhere goes to a tree, and then hangs himself with an extension cord. Like I said, very talented Americans are. We can do anything if we put our minds to it. But it was just yesterday that Colin Rugg reported the following, that Perry County Sheriff has now reversed course on the whole gun thing, saying that the shotgun was found at the scene where Epstein connected aid to Bill Clinton allegedly killed himself. The original report said that there was no gun. Nothing to see here, folks, says Colin. So, business as usual. What else is there to say? Now, I have two other things that I want to bring up. I want to... I, it's just incredible. The things that we read is just incredible, and it, we, it, we just go on because we're in a daze. There's just too much happening. Too much happening, too much happening. Now I have a couple of things I want to bring up on the war front before we start taking some first-half calls, setting us up for the second half in dreams. Here is a, uh, here is a email from Father Matt. He had written into the show last night through Super Chat, Here's another one. Hey, Frank, here's an idea of what's happening. Contrary to the official news, Zelensky is amassing forces on the border of Transnistria. Transnistria. I I didn't even know that this was a territory or its own sovereign nation. I don't know. Very small place, apparently. Transnistria, near a Soviet-era ammo dump. That's guarded by Russian peacekeeping forces that were welcomed by the people of Transnistria back in the early 1990s. This depot supposedly houses about 20 tons of munitions. Zelensky is going to... So here is the, here's the report 
Moldova rejects Russian claims that Ukraine is preparing an invasion of uh, Transnistria. I hope it's saying it right. I never know. I never heard about it before. Moldova's pro-EU leaders have rejected. And, and, and just note, Moldova is Victoria Newland's country of her family's uh, like origins. So it has something a little bit more just connection to it. Moldova's pro-EU leaders have rejected Russian claims that Ukraine is planning to attack the country's Moscow-backed separatist region. Russia yesterday claims Ukraine was ramping up efforts to invade Transnistria and pledged a response. The Russian Defense Ministry's statement was released on the eve of the one-year anniversary of Moscow's offensive in Ukraine. Since the launch of a full-scale assault against Ukraine a year ago, the Kremlin has been accused of raising tensions in Transnistria to destabilize Ukraine and Moldova. Quote, the Kiev regime has stepped up preparations for the invasion of the Transnistrian Moldovian Republic, the statement said. The defense ministry claims the invasion would be launched in response to an alleged offensive by Russian troops from the territory of Transnistria. The Russian defense ministry claimed that Ukrainian troops were massing at the border with Moldova's breakaway region. Here's a quote from Moscow. The implementation of the planned provocation by the Ukrainian authorities poses a direct threat to the Russian peacekeeping contingent legally deployed in Transnistria. Russia's armed forces will respond to the impending provocation of the Ukrainian side in an adequate manner, the statement added. The BBC reported, however, that Moldovan officials have rejected Russia's claims as psyops as part of the war. The defense ministry believes that it is an element of a psychological operation rather than a real plan, State Secretary Valeriu Mija reportedly said. Moldovan President Maya Sandu, on the visit to neighboring Romania, spoke of an unprecedented security challenges ahead, according to the BBC. Some wanted our country to fall and to install a Chisno, I don't know how what that is, a puppet government enslaved to the interests of the Kremlin. Well, then there you have it. It's a puppet govern, government enslaved to the interests of the, of the Kremlin. So now there's this little thing, this little uh, situation going on with a supposed Soviet-era weapons depot. We'll see if there's going to be some kind of a play over there. But Father Matt continues, he says that Zelensky is going to call the invasion a Ukrainian security issue because Russia, quote, intends to open a second front by heading from the west, Transnistria, to the east, Odessa, and the Moldovan armed forces are inadequate to stop the Russians. Note that Moldova is neither a member of NATO nor the EU. Once Ukrainian forces enter the Russian protectorate of Transnistria, Putin will be faced with two options. One, incinerate the Ukrainian forces with tactical nukes. Or two, let the Ukrainians effectively take control of Transnistria and the ammo depot there. After yesterday's vote by the UN, which we covered, actually that's what he linked us to in his super chat, Zelensky is emboldened. Nothing in this hellscape is happening in isolation. It's all planned. In this scenario, my guess is that Zelensky wants Putin to use tactical nukes for obvious reasons. He could care less about his soldiers. I could keep going, but you nor I have all day. Peace, Father Matt. I appreciate that. I really do. Well, I, I like to see what people are thinking, and that seemed like a, a, well, uh, a well-sourced theory, and we'll see what happens. Now, here is another one that came in from this audience. 
we go from a priest to a Marine. Hi, Frank. This is about the, the greater question that I had posed earlier in the week about if there was a legitimate war, if we had a, if we had a legitimate war to be fought, what would, what would be, what would we be talking about here? So let's go and, uh, and check it out. I said, would the United States be able to take on a Russia or China in a head-to-head that was legitimate? We needed to go to war. It was real. It was declared. It's on the up and up and had to happen. But with the state of our culture, the state of our military, especially military culture, and also the state of our national debt and our spending, just everything, the instability of everything, would we be able to pull it out? Here is uh, one of the two responses that we got, because the first one was on the air, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday, I forget. Hi, Frank. You asked for military to give you their perspective on the state of our forces, so here is mine. Just so that we're clear, I'm Marine Corps Staff Sergeant that served from 04 to 08 and deployed to Iraq twice for a total of 20 months. I was a sergeant when I got out and promoted to staff during inactive reserve, just to be clear. My job while I, was in, uh, while I was in was logistics and convoy movement at the headquarters level. My office was three doors down from the general or acting CO. Reason for distinction being my first tour, 06 to 07, we had f- a full bird colonel as acting general. Amazing leader, damn good man. That being said, in the early aughts, that's the early 2000s, the Marines went into... Iraq and Afghanistan to spearhead the U.S. invasion into these countries. As always, the Army follows behind them, setting up forward operating bases and permanent bases. In 2004, the Marines left, leaving Iraq to the control of the Army. I can't speak for Afghanistan. With God's blessing, I never stepped foot over there. In 2005, the Marines had to return to Iraq because the U.S. Army failed to hold their footing. We had to do the Battle of Fallujah again and take the city back. It's a city about 30 miles miles west of Baghdad. The Marine Corps was then ordered to stay in the Al-Anbar province for the duration of the war. The Marines maintained west of Baghdad for the next decade or whatever it's been because the army was incompetent and incapable. I have stories. This was the first time the U.S. Marines were asked to be an occupying force. We are 25% the size of the U.S. Army and use Vietnam-era equipment with few exception. My conclusion is the army even 20 years ago, wasn't capable of maintaining control over farmers and militia. They hadn't even started cutting their dicks off back then or allowing female infantrymen or had C-19 vaxxed into the mix. My honest opinion is there is no possible way the U.S. military can go toe-to-toe with Russia at this point. I hope this gives you some insight. Thanks for your show. It's great. Signed. Damn, boy. So that conclusion is kind of a kick to the gut, no? And if you think that is a kick to the gut, here's a kick to the nuts for you. There, um, I want to give you a little bit of a, there was a, I guess, a, a, a Q&A, uh, a, press, a press junket that was held with the President Zelensky. And um, he has some words for Americans who are becoming increasingly reluctant to support the Ukrainian cause. I say Ukrainian with, with uh, bunny ears around it, the Ukrainian cause. So take a listen to this polls in the United States are suggesting that a growing number of Americans believe that the U.S. is giving too much support to Ukraine. What would your message be on the anniversary to those Americans? Thank you. Thank you. Such a cordial thank you, too. 
like he was addressing Roy. I'm surprised he didn't bow. I would like to thank the American people. I would like to thank all of the American people that are supporting Ukraine, the Congress, the President, the TV uh, channels, the journalists, and everyone that has been supporting us. See, that, that's really that's all that's there. The TV has been supporting him, the Grammys, the Oscars. The executive branch, the Congress, that is, that's just really it. Now, everybody below there is the same old, the same old slave class that either has to go put your blue and yellow out in front of your, in front of your, uh, your house and, and, and play your part and, and pretend like this is all good. And maybe some of them actually believe, yeah, we're doing the right thing, but you don't have a choice. You don't have it. There could be 100% disapproval of this and it does not matter. It doesn't matter. And that uh, percentage of uh, Americans, as uh, you've mentioned, is increasing. Uh, I can tell them only one thing. If they do not change their opinion, if they do not understand us, if they do not support Ukraine, they will uh, lose NATO, they will lose uh, the cloud of the United States, they will lose the leadership position that they are joining the world, uh, that they are joined for a very fair reason, and they will lose the support of the country with 40 millions of population, with millions of children. Are American children any different? than ours? Don't Americans enjoy the, the same things uh, as we do? I don't think we're that different. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This this play, it's totally illegitimate. You can't defend yourself, then I'm, I'm sorry, then whatever. And this is not a just, oh, look, there's a little country next to us. We're taking it. It's just not that. I'm not going to play this game again. How many times we have to go through this shit? But really interesting. You're going to lose your clout. That is that is for sure. But that's more of a that's more of a shot across the bow of Washington D.C. You better keep the money coming because if you if you if you don't find a way to save face, here we are again. We're bringing war. We are bringing war to Europe for a major one, for the third time in just a little bit over a century. We're doing that. I mean, our clout is gone. We can't win a war anymore. We just, we can't win wars anymore. First of all, there's nothing really to fight for anymore. We drop tons of bombs. We kill plenty of people. We are, I mean, during, you remember Jimmy Dore bringing out all of those stats that we've gone over on this show many times in the past? The 90% of the drone bomb warfare that, is, that was, went through the roof, it started under Bush, went through the roof under Obama, 90% of them took out civilians, innocent women, children, hospitals, wedding parties. We are the villains and we are dragging our friends who are also broke through the mud at this point. 
So, I mean, as far as the, I don't know who he's, he's threatening with that. I don't think the average American gives a shit about American clout. We just give a shit about being able to feed our families. And it's the end of NATO. Why? You're not even a NATO. What does NATO have to do with this? What does NATO have to do with this? Oh, well, NATO and your Western intelligence services started this on the down low. Of course, he can't come out and say that. Then the storyline will actually make a lot of sense. Because, you know, the the whole story would make sense then. Because then we would know the actual reason why there's a conflict instead of this whole Russia wants to take Ukraine thing and and uh, we just have to stand up because when... It, when an, I, I, I mean, what? So this is just incredible how emboldened this little cokehead has become. Incredible how emboldened he is. It's just something else, man. I'll tell you. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to take a really uh, quick break. When I come back, I want to leave you with another two little things that I think are really nice uh, random bits that are kind of spooky and also will open up the, the, uh, the door to strange dreamlike existences because what we are staring in the face right now as far as innovation goes technologically, very dreamlike. Not necessarily a good dream either. Don't go anywhere. It's Friday night. Why? Think about that. Think about that. I'm not exactly. I can take on like 15 of them, folks. Star Wars Lego set Death Star, but can he chug a sparkling water and not burp? Oh my gosh, what do I do? Mary Beth Chance is from Houston, Texas, prayed for snow on her wedding day. Yes, I did. Why? I love snow, and I don't get to see it much in Houston, so I pray for snow. It was 32 degrees, and no snow on my wedding day, but I had eight inches on my honeymoon. So, we went to Tennessee, so... That's not a bad deal. No. So you sort of got what you were looking for. That's right. Good. You're listening to Quite Frankly. We bring in the studio this morning one of the gay rights activists, Mr. Should I call you Mr. Sure. Pepe Julian Onzima. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for good morning. Me. Morning to you. Why are you gay? Who says I'm gay? You are gay. Back here live at the Waterfront Village with my friend the zombie Jonathan. You're looking good, Jonathan. Just got an awesome face paint job. What do you think? I like turtles. 
All right, you're great zombie. And good times here at the Waterfront Village, open for, for the next 11 it's days. It's in the crate. Where is it? It's in the crate. Why didn't you have it out to begin with? Where is the crate? It's not in here. It's not in here. It should be in the crate. It's not in the crate. I just told you that. God have it. She doesn't get a door. She's going to flip out. It's not in here. You left it at the hotel. You go back and you get her busy me. Go to the hotel and get busy me. Run. Run. Go. Mommy's getting your toy. Don't you worry. No, we just had a little, we had a little discussion. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at the fat ass losers or freaks. You look at me. You ready for some? You ready for some other stuff? I know you've probably seen this been getting around. I'm always I, I'm always surprised when these threads. I don't see them when I'm on the boards, but then again, I wasn't on yesterday. Anonymous left this about Meta and Facebook reanimating the dead. Now we we get a lot of stories coming out about people trying to synthesize what is left of the social media, the media um, uh, footprint of people who have died to try to create programs and, and, and chat generators that can give people... They say that it's going to be able to give people comfort to create some kind of a, an, a, a chatbot version of someone they love so they can talk to them. It's... I, I mean, my I get sick this morbid feeling of deep, deep pitted sick when I even think about it. So you know it's it, they're, they're working some kind of angle. Aside from people out there, there has to be somebody out there that is just absolutely desperate. Absolutely desperate for something after a tragic loss. Um, but yeah, the, here, here we have it again. Obviously, it's anonymous, so it could be a LARP. But just thinking about the trajectory we are on, you go ahead and, uh, and, and let me know what you think is real about this. And then I have an excerpt, another excerpt from the thread. So here we have it. Uh, I am a meta insider working on Project Lazarus. We're building an AI that can take over a deceased person's social media accounts and continue making relevant posts as if that person is still alive. This includes age-progressed photos, interacting with other people's content, and everything. Age-progressed photos. You're going to... So if a person dies at 33, this, pro, this technology is aimed at generating composite images of the deceased and projecting what they would look like at 67? 34 years later, I mean, and keeping that personal, that's, this is just, it's weird enough and it's black mirror enough for it to be real because this is where we're living right now. If we had read this, read this few years ago by an Anon, then you say, okay, well, you know, very creative LARP, but a LARP nonetheless, it just, you just don't know. 
This includes age-progressed photos, interacting with other people's content, and everything else needed so that the person continues on in the digital realm after physical death. We were originally told this would be a service offered to people struggling with the loss of loved ones and people who had missing children. Seemed like a decent idea. No. Things are getting weird now, and I'm having second thoughts about what is actually going to, it's going to be used for. The AI is extremely capable of impersonating people. It doesn't take as much initial input as one think to train the AI how a certain person interacts with the digital world. It is very convincing. An entire island of people can go missing, and with little to no downtime, the AI could take over all of their social media and the world would have no clue that life wasn't just continuing on as usual. That's fucked up. A lot of people project... Oh, I'm sorry. A lot of the project is becoming more compartmentalized. Things have taken a dark turn, it feels like. They've forbidden communication between people working on different things. Something isn't right, and I don't know what I should do. I'm not going to post any personally identifiable information, but I will try to answer questions that won't expose my role within the project. Um, Also remember, I'm just going to throw it out there, when we were doing the World Government Summit a week or two ago, when we had Jason Burmes on, and then I brought back some of those other clips from Klaus Schwab when we had Timothy Alberino on, He's talking about science fiction technology, Klaus Schwab was, that he published in books about the Fourth Industrial Revolution in 2015. Science fiction technology, AI, cybernetics, he goes in, he says the metaverse. He said these are things that are no longer science fiction and they are right here, right now. Everybody else at that conference is talking about how the transition cannot be subtle anymore. We have to find a way to bang our way right into it. And Klaus ends that little very revealing situation by saying that whoever controls and, and, and masters this technology, these technologies that he has, has uh, previewed for the world will essentially be a master of the world. And then we get things like this, which are really not outside of the, the realm of crazy. It's really not. Lauren just texted me. She said, if Mima looks 150 years old and starts messaging me on Facebook, I'm quitting the internet. That's her grandmother that just passed away a few years ago. Yeah, I know. Well, my grandparents never got on the internet. Mima was a renaissance woman. <laughs> she was uh, doing her thing into her 90s. But uh, here's, a, here's another one. Here's just a random comment on the thread one of the initial live tests were to create 50 fictitious people the goal was to make these 50 people new hires at meta and have them interact and build online relationships with other employees who were completely unaware that these 50 people didn't actually exist by adding them as friends and giving a new uh, and giving a few pieces of starter content it was easy to get the ball rolling for other employees outside of our project to start adding the ai generated people as friends also and start act- interacting with them 
These 50 generated accounts were not based off of real individuals, so the results were wild. The AI came up with stuff that ranged from absolutely hilarious to completely horrifying. I guess that's pretty accurate for the human experience. That's more along the lines of a traditional bot, but it goes much deeper uh, to a much deeper level than a bot just reposting the current talking point. It's when we have it live, when we gave it, or I, I, I guess it's gave instead of have, when we gave it live data on real individuals, that thing truly took off. It's astoundingly accurate with reproducing real individuals. So what is the purpose? Is it is it to create a little bit of a a green curtain that nobody's able to really tell what is going on and who's actually around them. Because, man, man, oh, man, what do you think about that? That's 7.53 p.m. on the East Coast. And I think we're going to take a break right now for intermission. We'll come back. We'll do some super chats, a couple of calls, and then we're going to get into dreams. Or I might just go right into it because... Um, because that is surreal. That is surreal enough to be a dream. But no matter how much I pinch myself, I'm not waking up from this one. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday. Giving you some good late night things to listen to over the weekend when you're up and you're thinking and you just want to get lost in a rabbit hole somewhere. Oh, I'll give you plenty of that. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you?
thank you everybody for again sticking with me for the second half of the show and I hope that I'm able to greet many of you as new sponsors over the weekend so my favorite things to do is just get through those inboxes respond to people's inquiries and all that good stuff and it's always great to see new sponsors and and uh, and plan new phases of this operation here and we got a lot coming I cannot wait um, you know, I have a little announcement here that from a, on behalf of a longtime viewer and a supporter of the show, I know we have a lot of animals, animal lovers out there, so I just wanted to read this real quick for her. This is uh, Stacy. She's been watching the show for many years at this point and has, has been a patron for those years as well. She said, Frank, seven months ago, I bought a young horse who had sustained a traumatic injury to his face, rendering him unable to open his mouth or eat normally. He was severely underweight, so I worked out a special diet for him and began to consult local veterinarians about his condition. Because a horse's teeth are constantly erupting throughout their life, the clock is ticking. If a solution is not found, Lucky's growing teeth will eventually make it impossible for him to eat. You know, I've seen things like this. I saw a, um, I don't know what Lauren, what Lauren watches from time to time. There was like this, this horse doctor or, or something. And this was one of the episodes, like a, a, a tooth. It might've been a pony or something where this tooth just went all over. You kept like almost like curling up and over. Um, I saw something about this. Let's see. They will begin to embed themselves into his cheeks soon, erupting through the fresh, the, the flesh and causing him constant pain as he slowly starves to death. His vet has referred him to UC Davis, one of the best animal hospitals in the country, and five-hour drive from where I live. I'm extremely low income, so I've turned to crowdfunding to try to raise money necessary to get lucky to the surgeons at Davis. I'd never forgive myself if I didn't fight like hell to save Lucky. He's such a sweet horse. Please go check out the video on Lucky's GoFundMe for the full story. And um, I, because we lost... Because we lost um, Discord, I wasn't able to put it out there. So I'm going to put it on the Telegram right now. And if you're listening and you want the link to the GoFundMe for, for Lucky, then please send me an email and I will provide you with the link. Over the weekend, you just, um, that's what you can do. So just want to put that out there. And I, I wish Lucky all the best. Um, here is a couple of... Super Chats, let's get to those. Jordan Hull, this is on quitefranklysuperchat.com. Jordan Hull says, I love your show and hearing about your experiences as a new father. As far as dreams go, I wonder why I am the only person in my house that dreams in first person. Everyone else dreams in third person as if they are watching a movie. What is up with that? You know, I don't know, Jordan, because uh, and I, I never even thought about that before. And if I try to think right now, just from quick recall i i don't know if if i exclusively dream one or the other obviously we're all omniscient in our dreams we know what every person represents what every person's intent what their backstories are why they're there what's happening we, we know it all because we're it's being generated from within ourselves but i don't know if i've ever even noticed whether or not i'm in first or third that's interesting. Thank you, Jordan. 
Stostube says, Great Friday, Frank. Just wanted to drop some support for great independent media that I, uh, and that is all, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, and the best to you and your family. Dad Named Dan says, Much like the Mayflower, centuries from now, they will show people their ancestry to January 6th. I know. You were a January 6th Confederate's great-great-great-grandson. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Mark Swan says, so let me get this straight. They're trying to grab Alex Jones by the pussy? I know. The irony of this. Thank you, Mark. Free Dubs says, sign me up for the book drawing, Frank. You are in now. Thank you so much, Dubs. Jared H. says, last night you were saying how you didn't know how you were still on YouTube. I believe a big part of why you are... Why you are is that your clever little video titles. Your band friends use very sensitive video titles of every trigger word imaginable. Uh, I always thought about that. I said maybe the titles give me a little bit of a a shield and a little bit of, uh, but but it's also a little bit of a trade off because the titles are so not sticky at all in a searchable sense that maybe that's what's working against me getting noticed too but who cares it's really all about having as many broadcast platforms to deliver the show and after tonight i'm going to be doing a deep deep purge of the youtube channel so don't be afraid it just has to go away buy me a little bit more time perhaps and um the full archive for the show can be found on places like bitshoot and on rumble Let's see. Okta Waugh says, Happy Friday, Frank. Add my thanks to Lauren for getting the Super Chats page fixed. This week has been full of conversations, etc. that have me thinking, mainly about getting self-contained personally and think about how to handle the coming spicy times. That's all really it is, self-containment. And I, and I really do believe and it's going to go a lot into what I'm going to bring up with the dreams, how things have just been coming. And I, how I feel like the, the knobs, like the amps have been turned up on us. The panic broadcasting has been turned up on us. Where it doesn't send you into a panic, but you can feel the resonant energy just kind of buzzing a little bit more. You see everybody, uh, you see everybody else in, in different states. You see the calamity and you can see the level of, I don't know, the, the instability and in, in the way people interact with each other. I know the internet is a very fine focused and mostly negative way of observing human interaction, but it's a little bit extreme. It's there's a lot of, I mean, we have wars, the earthquakes. We understand that that wasn't just uh, probably not just a freak occurrence that cost 50,000 lives. I mean, there's just a lot, there's a lot. You've got, you've got the salesmen and women for this Ukraine war that they're just trying. They're trying to sell the nobility of the whole thing to less and less convinced people. So they're going to have to find ways to convince them, which, which is something else. And it made me think of it, not only the dream that I had last Friday, but a series of dreams over the last three or so years, three to four years even. So we got to talk about that, no doubt. Valuna says, I've been having trouble getting my payments processed, so I must try again. Grateful to be have this opportunity to put my hat into the ring for Frank's copy of The Great Divorce. All the luck in the world to you, Valuna. 
Abby Selvey says, Frank, please wish my amazing husband of 25 years, Jerry Selvey, a happy 67th birthday today. It would make his day. We are longtime listeners who love your show. Much love to you and your beautiful family. That is wonderful. Happy birthday, Jerry. Hey, Jer. Jer, happy birthday. 25 years. How do you keep things, how do you keep things spicy after 25 years? I, I, you know, I think, you know, we never did this one night. How do you keep things, how do you keep things fun with your, your spouse as you go into many years? I mean, Lauren and I are only married for five years, but we've been saved for a very brief pause in, in college. We've been together for, we've been dating for 2005 I mean, there's a lot, a lot that goes on, you know, as you get more and you know, we only had one on and off series. Then, then there's just like hesitancy, whatever. We've been known each other for a long time. So what do you do? There's a couple of things I would say you can do right off the bat. Number one, for your shower, for your shower, go and get sticky notes. There are these suction cup stick uh, sticky pads that you can put on the shower wall and that they come with a, uh, a, a pencil and it allows you to write notes in the shower when even if the, the pad is wet. So you can write notes and I usually have it there so I write notes if something comes to me for a show I'll put it down there but otherwise I'm leaving notes for Lauren she's leaving notes for me that's always fun you never know what you're going to find. So go get yourself some some sticky shower notes. That's a great thing to do. Another thing to do is um, when you have date nights, or if you're going to go out and it's just you and your husband, you and your wife, whatever, um, for, for you guys out there, I would suggest leaving leaving the house about 10 minutes early before the date starts while your wife is you know, getting her, her coat or her shoes and all that stuff, and uh, roll up to the house as if you're picking her up for the first date and see if you can actually get her to take you home. See if you can get you see if you can get her uh, interested in going home with you. That, I, I mean, obviously, where's she going to end up? But just see if you can actually appeal to her again. Like, you forget everything. You have to throw yourself into a role. You're going on a first date again. Can you win her over, or do you just suck? It's, the choice is yours. So um, that's always fun. Anyway, 25 years. I just wanted to throw that out there. I want to see how it goes. Happy birthday, Jerry. All right. Derek from Pennsylvania says, what if they want AI to take over the deceased people's social media so that as people die off from the uh, the Depop agenda, that it's less noticeable to normies who live in the virtual world? No doubt about it. Especially if, hey, the metaverse is everything. They want more and people, more and more people in the metaverse if you're living in the metaverse, you'll never know when somebody's gone. Even if you know that person personally, if you're if this has become your per, your permanent place, your permanent residency. Okay. Um. So, no doubt about it. We're not there yet, but you know that the the the, the ground is being laid for it. All right, over on Rumble, people are hanging out. We've got a Rumble rant in there somewhere. There it is. From Christoa says, sorry, Frank, I'm broke. Don't ever apologize for anything. I mean, you're the, you're the only Rumble rant. You're, you're a blessing. 
You're not broke. You're a blessing. Thank you so much for being out there. All right. Now over on to... I'm going to save the, the, the pill, the super chats for a little bit later on. No, we'll get through them now. They're not that many. And it's 808. Cave Toad says, wait. Mel K's description of the episode says, you're an author. Do tell. Great appearance to uh, Great appearance too. Thanks, Frank. She described me as an author? Maybe that's just... Maybe that's just a sign. I mean, I've, I've written short stories. I've published them on Amazon in the past. I've written a memoir in the past, which was really just my first crack at writing anything. So, I mean, that, that has long since been taken down. And I've actually used very limited skeletal pieces of that memoir that was edited by Pam. I've used very limited skeletal pieces of that to start building a the structure of a of a new of a new book that is just don't ask me how it's going. But maybe that's a sign. Mel's great. She really is. And I had a wonderful time on that. And and you know what? The the show that I recorded with BCP with James the other day, that's gonna be released as a full serial of interviews. That was another great one. Space Coast Patriots, Arkansas cops don't want to get uh, Clinton-sided too. Well, we know all about some police, their involvement. We know some of that too. Witchy Poo, thank you. Cave Toad says, thanks again. After mentioning Vega in the chat room, I had Lou Vega, Mambo number five, stuck in my head. Well, at least it wasn't the Macarena. Air says, if gun laws prevent law, uh, prevent law-abiding citizens from owning guns, what does that say about laws on murder? Thank you, Stostube, Witchy Poo, Cave Toads. Uh, let's see, Stostube again, Air again. They're all just talking to each other now. Sto- now they're all just talking to. Thank you, uh, River Pikes. Says someone is hungry. Mazington says we desperately need a tax revolt. There's more of us than them. I mean, we are everything. There's barely anything when you compare us to them. They're they're barely anything. But that's just, you can't organize any of that stuff. You wouldn't be able to do that. There wouldn't be enough people. Anybody who says they're going to do it will chicken out at the last moment, and then all of a sudden, you're the one that's in jail for tax evasion, and everybody else secretly paid it and just went along their way. And I don't blame them, because life is very short. Why spend any of it in a prison? Not to say that you like the tax the taxation, but it's just it's it's terrible. We're trapped. So you just gotta let it collapse. Ayers has gotta make sure to give you what I can whenever I make it to a live show. It's great to have you there. Witchy Poo says, Where's Matt? Please. Just because. Thank you, Bob. Cave Toad, thank you. By the way, love last night's show. Listen today. The wifey was right. Listen, understand, but verify everything. And also, Lauren was right about something else. Ban 24-7 news networks because they're not news. It's not. It's impossible for them to be news for 24-7. Stow Stubin, then. Here goes all the shades. Chai Possum says, to spice things up in our 39-year marriage, we take a ride in the truck to tractor supply. Well, there you go. You can buy some fertilizer. Uh, Maybe you can can build a new planter together. (laughs) Something like that. You know, things evolve. Things evolve. And then Stosub just dropped an entire five sleeves of cookies on us. 
a really strong Friday night. Okay. So here's a little something that I got for you. Where the hell is it? It's, um, okay. So last Friday, I went to sleep. And I woke up early Saturday morning, probably around 5.45 or so. I tweeted around 6.15 because that was right when I finished writing everything I could down to myself in an email on my phone. And then I asked everybody else on Twitter had if they had been having any strange dreams. And people are, uh, people, there's a lot of people in that that are giving me different answers. That was from February 18th. And what I had dreamed last week was... It was an end-of-the-world situation, but it was some sort of a countdown that was involved. It was a, there was an asteroid, there was something, an impact that we were waiting for over here on Earth. And I, I wrote, I remember in the middle of it, I was writing my final tweet. Everybody was together, and, I, and something told me in the dream, pick up, pick up your phone and just say what you're, what you're, uh, what you're seeing for these last minutes. And the tweet was something along the lines of when the chips were down, and the chips were down in this situation, when the chips were down, most of us still loved each other and were curious about each other. And I, I, that's why I said when it was down, most of us still loved each other and were curious about each other, didn't hate, and were actually, uh, you, you know when you're in a nervous situation, you know when you're in a waiting room somewhere or if you are just, you, you feel out of sorts, you feel nervous about something, you're uncomfortable. And in that state, especially if you feel isolated and, and alone and you're just looking for, you, you, you're not around anybody or if even if you're with somebody that you know, you become overly interested in everything that they say. You ever have that? I'm already pretty interested in, in people by and large, especially when I'm sitting down with them, hanging out and just talking, but where you are suddenly hanging on their every word, like there is nothing more important than this conversation. There's nothing more important to me right now in the world than this conversation. Tell me about that. Oh, really? What do you, you know? You know, and you just really, you just in, you just indulge in the conversation and it becomes a comfort to you. And, uh, and then, you know, it all, it all goes away. You, you kind of level out a little bit and then that's, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that we do. And I feel like that is a, is a, a real basic setting that we have, that we're curious about each other, but for one reason or another, we all get estranged. We all get estranged, whether we know each other or what we don't, we estrange ourselves from strangers, you know? There's some people out there who never knew a stranger. You walk into a you walk into a room and everybody's a potential friend. Well, the last of my tweet in this dream scenario was till we see each other again. That's what I said in this in this dream scenario. Till we see each other again. And I was talking I was talking about the afterlife because there was no getting around it. That's what we knew. And I started thinking about what Robin McCutcheon had said. What Robin McCutcheon had said about this show the last time that she was on. And she had said that the, the show, how amazing it will be that this show, quite frankly, would survive for other generations to discover and to, to dig through and have it be one of those real kind of time capsule productions. And 
I was thinking about that in the dream as I was writing because then the tweet seemed so, even though I wanted to just, I even though I wanted to say something to as many people as possible in those last minutes, I started thinking about Robin McCutcheon's talk about what this show would mean for future generations that find it and said to myself, well, there's, there's going to be nothing left of anything. This tweet is going to be more temporary than anything that has been written in the sand on any shoreline, on any coast, in every, any country and continent. It, it's just all going to be gone. So at that point, I, I just put the phone away. And I went back into my grandmother's living room because everything always happens in my grandmother's house. My grandmother, who just who just died, house house that I uh, that I was raised in from like ninety three to ninety nine, and it wasn't just my parents and Lauren and Anthony and Aurora, but there were strangers coming in and out of the house, using the bathrooms, milling around, just talking to each other, young old, white, black, it didn't matter. Everybody's just coming in and out of the house and just, it's not an invasion. It's just, they're just people around. And I remember the numbers seven minutes and nine seconds because there's a countdown to everything. Almost like it was a really fucked up New Year's Eve. Seven minutes and nine seconds left until impact now. That is what was ticking away on, on the, uh, on the television. And Aurora, Aurora was laying down on the living room floor on her back, just lounging, you know, like you, like you would lay on the living room floor and watch a television show. She does that sometimes too. And she's just laying there, you know, just lounging around and looking around at everybody. And I can see a face of confusion. Uh, you know, she's like kind of confused as to, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Uh oh. And she's got this uh, face of confusion on as to why everybody around her is so nervous. There's no panic. It's just nervousness. Like we were about to be taken into the OR for a tonsillectomy or something like that. And my father, my father's there. And true to form, he is uh, just refusing to pay any attention to the situation. Just He's just avoiding it all. Just like my father uh, thinks he can avoid milestone birthdays and all that stuff there too. No, it's not. No, it's not real. It's just not real. I can hear him saying it. And in general, people were just making peace. They were just making peace. Race didn't matter. Silly grudges didn't matter. And that's when I started really focusing on Aurora. Very intently in the dream. And I said, no, nope, I'm I'm." No, I'm I'm going to wake up now. This is not how this ends, and this is a dream. No matter how real this feels, I'm waking up right now, and boom, um, I was back. That was it. Concentrating on Aurora brought me back, and everything just went away. And I was just like, what the fuck? Why? Again, why can't I just have the dreamless sleeps? Why can't? And then I woke up, and I saw some of the early morning, some of the early morning headlines of Jimmy Carter. 39th president of the United States had entered hospice care at home. He's still alive for the time being, but I'm surprised he's made it this entire week. He entered hospice care at his home. I think he's 98, 98, 97. He's 98 years old. 
and I started thinking about other dreams now. Now, where does this all where's where's this all tie in together? Well, I've got a little bit more time to do. First, I remember the 1971 Billy Crystal dream. That was from about maybe th- four four years ago at this point. I was talking to Rob about this at the time. We we were hashing through all this on the show. By the way, I'm working on getting Rob on the show in um, in March. Next week is the first week of March. That's all booked up. I'm hoping the second week of March I can get Rob to come and hang out on a Thursday night. So just letting you know, got to got to 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 to, to break the glacier a little bit, and I I think we might be able to get him in. But in 19, the 1971 dream with Billy Crystal, I was in my grandmother's house again. I was looking out the window of the kitchen into the back backyard. And beyond the backyard, at the, the back end of the property, there is a very thick, at least at one time it was, a thick line of forsythia bushes. Where in, you know, in, in April and early May, they are just bloomed a beautiful yellow. And then they're just green for the rest of the season. Well, beyond that is another row of houses, but I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was looking at the horizon, and that's usually where you get a really beautiful, dusky, creamsicle, orange sky in the summertime and everything when it's going down and it's it's sunset. And I am looking out at the, the horizon there, and it was just these bright fluorescent colors that would just light up the sky, and then it would just go away. So it was throbbing, it was coming back, different types of colors. There's these like, uh, these brilliant Aurora greens and reds and pinks. And then they would go, like there was a huge party going on somewhere in the distance. And I knew in the dream, oh, that's New York City. There's something going on out there. I gotta go check it out. Suddenly I'm on the West Side Highway. I'm on the West Side Highway, running along the Hudson River. And the river had been pretty much drained. I can see the riverbed all over the place. I can just see it all exposed. And so I hop down into the riverbed because there's Billy Crystal. And he's wearing a, a black pea coat that goes right down to his ankles. And he looks like, and I knew he was dressed to host New Year's Eve. I was like, wow, is it really New Year's Eve? What's going? Is that what's going on here? And, and standing behind him, standing behind him was a giant... 1971. Now it could be a it could be a, a mix up, an anagram, or something like that of 1791. But there was also just but this just I'm just gonna take it literally for what it was 1971, and it was all lit it up, studded with those bulbs of that you could that you know the big soft yellow dressing room bulbs, or the bulbs that would once had lined all of the old Broadway marquees. 1971. I woke up from that dream not knowing what the hell to make of it. The only thing I could make of it was that 71 was the year that Nixon took us off the gold standard. So from there, it was maybe about a couple of days later, was the Jimmy Carter dream. He was dying in my childhood bedroom. He wasn't in a hospital bed or anything like that. He actually looked pretty good. He was sitting in a recliner. It was a nice sunny day. Sun was coming through one of my old bedroom windows, and uh, he was just sitting pretty uh, relaxed in this recliner, just apparently waiting to die. He was going to die any second. And uh, I said, okay, okay, that's weird. Why is he dying in my room? Why here? Um, well, as, as as quickly as I'm contemplating what the hell's going on there, I am suddenly transported outside to the side of my house 
where when it, before it was developed by uh, um, several, you know, several several neighbors ago, it was an undeveloped plot of land next to us, and now there's a, a big house there. But I went back to a time when there was no house there, and in the grass, I'm looking at I'm looking up at the at the at my bedroom window, and I know that Jimmy Carter's in there. Then I look down at the grass outside on the lawn in the neighboring plot of land and I see three separate clusters in the green grass of three gold coins three clusters of three gold coins in the grass and I said what the hell so I, you know I, I, I don't even know if I handled the gold coins or not because the dream shortly ended so then it was probably a Thursday or something like that me and Rob we get together we go to the park and we're we are we're working out after we work out it's it's a hot day we said let's go down to the the Brazilian bakery that we usually went to hang out after we would uh, we would work out and we would get these acai bowls and you know on on a hot day after you're just you know you're just like spent you're totally spent from the workout that acai bowl was just like it revitalized you so we went down there that that day. We went and we got all of our food, and I I paid, and I received three dollars in change, and the three dollars that they gave me were three gold coins. This was just maybe a, a couple of days later. I got three American gold coins. Look at Sacagaweas. I'm thinking, okay, well this is weird. I'm getting Sacagawea three gold coins after the the the, the Jimmy Carter dream. After 1971, the gold standard? Like, what the fuck's going on right now? So I'm thinking, I, I just put the three gold coins in my, in my hand, and I go, that's, that's, that's weird. So I go back, I tell Rob about it, and I show him the coins, and I realize it's not Sacagawea. I didn't even know that they were putting out all these new, these new uh, $1 coins. It was Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore said, What? Why the hell is Millard Fillmore getting his, himself on a $1 coin? The only thing I knew about Millard Fillmore was that he was a New York, he's a, a president that came from New York. He's one of the last presidents prior to uh, Lincoln and the outbreak uh, of the Civil War. I said, there's got to, so I, you know, I just went and I dug into Millard Fillmore then. I said, what the hell, what is it about this guy that could possibly be it? And Fillmore, let me get him up over here. Let me just get the uh, the wiki up. Here he is. Where the hell is he? Millard Fillmore, 13th president of the United States, serving from 1850 to 53, last member of the Whig Party. While in the White House, a former member of the U.S. House of Representatives, upstate New York, Fillmore was elected as the 12th vice president of the United States in 48 and succeeded to the presidency in 1850 upon the death of U.S. President Zachary Taylor. Fillmore was instrumental in the passing of the Compromise of 1850, um, but he was also, he was also, let me see here, uh, um, he became prominent in the Buffalo area as an attorney and politician. He was elected to the New York Assembly in 1828 and to the House of Representatives in 1832. Fillmore initially belonged to the anti-Masonic party, but became a member of the Whig party as, uh, as formed in the mid-1830s. Now, I said, the anti-Masonic party? What the hell is this? 
Here's the wiki for the Anti-Masonic Party. Anti-Masonic Party was the earliest third party in the United States, formerly a single-issue party. It strongly opposed Freemasonry in the United States. It was active from the late 1820s, especially in the Northeast, and later attempted to become a major party by expanding its platform to take positions on other issues. It declined quickly after 1832 as most members joined the new Whig Party. What a coincidence. It disappeared after 1838 altogether. The party was founded following the disappearance of William Morgan. This is a guy that I have wanted to talk about his story on the show for a long time, and I think I got to do it. I think I finally got to do it. It's just an interesting story. A former Mason who had become a prominent critic of the Masonic organization. Many believe that Masons had murdered Morgan. He was no doubt executed for speaking out against masonry and subsequently many churches and other groups condemned masonry at that point as many masons were prominent in business and politi- uh, as businessmen and politicians the backlash against mason- masons was almost a form of anti-elitism the anti-masons purported that masons posed a threat to american republicanism by secretly trying to control the government furthermore there was a strong fear that masonry was hostile to christianity So um, this this started becoming so intriguing. This line of synchronicity, starting with these these uh, these dreams. Now I, I don't know I don't know where that 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 bears out, and as far as where we all going now, um, I there's got to be something connected there because they weren't themes that I was talking. It's one thing to be talking about this stuff all the time. It's another thing to just have these things show up and be given things to research. Like Millard Fillmore, I would have never looked into this guy. And then there was that dream in August of 2021 when I was in Myrtle Beach. You remember that dream where I was pretty much the message, the whole moral of the story was put your Christmas lights up early and enjoy it. Enjoy Christmas early because it would be the last. Now, obviously... It, it wasn't the last Christmas, but it was uh, it was the last Christmas with Skip, with my grandmother, with Pam. It was the last Christmas for a lot of things. It was a major. 21 was, now that, you know, hindsight being 2020, it was a major Christmas for me personally. And then there was the dream at the 7-Eleven. Shortly after that, I was in the 7-Eleven or a Cumberland Farms or something like that. And on the televisions inside of the 7-Eleven, there was live coverage of a terrorist incident or a shooting or something like that that was getting a very intense coverage. And you remember there were two skunks that were inside of the of the 7-Eleven. It was, and they're just they're moving around and I'm trying to avoid them because I don't want to get sprayed. Now, I get out of the, the store. I remember I rush out of the store because I need to get to my car to grab first aid equipment in a hurry. But I'm slipping all over the place. I go down to my hands and to my feet. And I'm slipping. I'm trying to hold myself up almost like I'm, I'm in a plank trying to hold myself up and just slipping on ice all over the place. And I finally get what I need out of my car. And that is when I heard what was the sound of either a Predator drone coming from above, or the sound of uh, that legendary buzzing of the German V2 rockets. And that's and, and as, as the buzzing of the rockets 
became almost too much to bear, that's when the dream ended. So, I don't know. The amps have just been turned up. That's what I'm thinking. I, I just think that that's what it is. Where somebody in the Super Chat just said before that I, I feel this need to, to just concentrate on the simple things and keeping a, a, a tight circle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a... There's a weird electricity in the air, and I just want to circle the wagons and keep everyone close. That's all I keep thinking at this point. I just want to circle the wagons, keep everybody close. May sound paranoid, and I know that my line of work doesn't lend me very soothing sources of material that often, so my subconscious is just inundated with this. But um, So I'm considering that, but it just feels more than that. feels more than that. It's 8.32. I'm going to go and take a quick break. When we come back, your calls and a few other things, and then uh, we're off for the weekend. With that, let me see. Did I get that all up? Yeah, perfect. We will be right back. Don't go. That's not it. That's not the one I'm looking for. Have I screwed this up? Have I really screwed it all up? I don't know. Okay. Be right back. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. That V, the the, oh, the the V1 rocket, not V2. You want to hear that uh, the buzzing? hearing a small fleet of those coming from from some some distance and they were not very smart these bombs 
Um, in fact, there's a, I love this one comment over here. They said the creepiest part is the moment at 40 seconds where it suddenly goes silent. You want to hear that? Let's hear. Listen to this. Listen to this. And now what now now what did the silence mean? The comment continues. That's the part where the pulse jet shuts off, the automatic controls lock the fins into a steep dive, and the flying bomb drops on the unfortunate target. No one, including the Germans, knew where these would land. Anything smaller than a city was nearly impossible to hit with any accuracy, and the launch rails were little more than rough pointers in the right direction. But the concept of a bomb flying itself onto a target was revolutionary for its time, considering how basic the V-1 actually was. And it became one of those, the, the more foreboding sounds of the war, the V-1. Um, so what do you think about all of this? And what's going on with you? I have one dream that's already been sent in. 914-595-6953. Let's see here. This is from Claire. This is from Claire. It said, Frank, I heard the woman, Rose, from Alabama, call in. I know you had big losses last year. Me too. After caring for my mom in my home while she was passing, I had nightmares of dead bodies for months straight. Real PTSD stuff. The disturbing dreams are easing off now, but since you asked about dreams... About 30 days after my mom passed, I dreamt I was holding a check with my mom's name on it. But when I brought it home for her to sign, I realized we'd already buried her. When I awoke... When I awoke from the dream, I wondered if there might be some money I didn't know about. I dug around in some boxes, and within two hours, I found it. A signed and paid-for pre-need contract for all burial services. She had Alzheimer's disease, so she couldn't tell me about the contract before she died. I had to pay out more than $10,000 to have her buried next to my brother, so that dream helped me get a big refund from the mortuary. Thanks, Mom. And thanks, Frank, for helping me write my boat during challenging times. Love to you and yours, Claire. So that's that's a that's a helpful dream right there, no doubt. Uh, Truth Quest has made his way back onto the show. Uh, what's your thoughts tonight, my friend? Well, great show again, Frank. And uh, boy, I had a dream years ago. I was living in Hopkins, Minnesota, at the time back in the 80s, and I had a dream that I was outside my apartment near Highway 7, and a nuclear bomb went off in Minneapolis, and I saw the line come racing across. You know, on the other side of the line is the, the deadly radiation. And it went right past me, and that's when I woke up. So it, sw- it just swept through, almost like an, in Terminator 2, when you can see it sweeping through the whole city? That could be. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. But I also had this other dream years ago. Oh, my God. It was the most incredible dream. I was a reporter, and I was sent to talk to this scientist, this, this plant scientist. Well, he knew I wasn't interested, so... He said, drop the pencil, let's go in, into the back room. We went to this little room, and it burned the first couple layers of our skin off. Hmm. And then we went into this, this 
clean white room. This man was sitting at this small white table. Everything was white. And we sat down, and the doctor, inter the scientist introduced me to this man. I can't remember his name. He had a really cool name. I shook his hand, and his hand felt very light. And this woman comes with a bowl of water. She puts it in front of him. He puts his hands in the water, and he absorbs the water, and he sits a little more straight up. Then this woman comes, and she pulls his shirt up, and from the waist down, he's like a dirt. And she puts, like, uh, vegetables and stuff, uh, plant food, basically. And the scientist tells me that, hey, look, I've created this hybrid plant, and the fluid in the plant flows almost as fast as our blood does. And so I had a conversation with this plant man, and he told me the history of the world through the plant's eyes because they remember everything and pass everything now. It was so fascinating. Wow. You know, that uh, th that it makes me... I, I have something interesting, too, I can, I can add to this. Um, is that all you wanted to share, Aaron? Because that, that's a great segue into another dream that I had saved aside for a night like this that I think would be interesting to, to read. That's great, and I got to get going anyway. I have to get ready. I'm going to try and go live tonight. First time since I've been off on my Rumble channel, so wish me luck. Oh, good. I, so, Truth Quest on Rumble, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck, my friend, and thanks again for another call. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Be well. He here, here's a crazy dream. Another one that it's a, it's like a classic from, from uh, hold on, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Who the hell's, hey, Truth Quest. Yeah. We're still on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where the hell the, uh, the the hang up button is. I'm sorry. I thought that you were gone. Oh, I'll hang up. All right. I'll hang up. I'm so, I'm sorry to, to to force you to do that, but I don't know where the the button is. I thought we were off, and suddenly I hear me. Uh oh. Now my screen went dead. All right. Well, some something. It's the plant men. They're coming for us all. <laughs> oh boy, what a world we live in. Indeed. All right, man. Well, thank you for everything. Peace. In peace. How do we disconnect? All right, so so here is the uh, here is this this um, this 2021 dream that was put up on uh, on 4chan. It was a uh, it was here here you go. It says my dad had this crazy dream which scared the shit out of him. You know those dreams that are they seem extra special and like a glimpse into something to come or some greater some greater truth like I mean Aaron over there from Truth Quest was apparently given a glimpse into how the real history of the world was recorded through the eyes of the vegetation here, the flora. He's a kind of guy not to joke or make up shit, but he told us about this dream, says the OP on 4chan. <coughs> it goes pretty much like this. Dad wakes up and feels and tastes some kind of ionization in the air. Some kind of ionization in the air goes outside and sees clouds that look like fire and lightning. Everyone walks outside all over the planet to look at the strange clouds. Blue lights appear in the sky and a trumpet starts blaring. We've, we've had blue lights. 
I mean, just think about the blue lights that they just saw over there in Turkey in the second round. Blue lights, the fire and the lightning, the weird clouds. Blue lights start surrounding people and start sucking people up into the sky in a blue tractor beam-like thing. Everyone's laughing and crying with joy. The rapture has come, they said. My dad and the rest of my family and a few people we know are taken out of attractor beams by disc-shaped UFOs. The UFOs are being piloted by the greys. Dad started seeing things through a woman, through a woman he doesn't know. Her eyes, through her eyes, but he doesn't know her. She's in the tractor beam going higher and higher. There is some kind of triangle with an eye and wings on the side way up in space. Hyper-vivid celestial imagery as she approaches the eye goes through the eye and everything becomes black, wakes up in some sort of holding pen with millions of other people. A small port window, she looks outside and sees an an armada of giant UFOs, sees people in blue tractor beams going into the ships. Another horn blows. The pen is illuminated and they are in the center of some kind of pit. Reptilian aliens in the Colosseum-style seated environment are all screeching and salivating. Horn blares again and the reptilians start jumping into the pit to eat everyone. You could hear the screams from all the ships echoing for some reason in the emptiness of space. A priestly class reptilian stands at the top to watch everything happen. Cut back to my father and us in the gray ship. The greys are taking us to some kind of desert oasis place. We can see the greys dismantling every remnant of human civilization. We see all the cities turned into dust and then we see a massive tidal waves all over the planet to wash it all away. The water settles and the greys drop us off with others who were picked to survive. They basically informed, uh, uh, they have information relayed to us that we are to restart civilization and create a sizable population again. We get told that we are from, we are a farm planet for an alien ritual that takes place every 12,000 years. We try our best to sketch the truth into rocks with words, painting other, uh, other glyphs. We create stone monuments so hopefully the next cycle would be found and fight back. We slowly grow a sizable population and leave the garden. The cycle starts again. All the truths about the cycle are either forgotten or warped so far from the truth that become myths and legends and no one remembers the next cycle. That dream changed my dad. He doesn't joke about things. It was odd. Like I said, it's a it's a place where you can let the imagination run wild and really create some interesting interesting role plays there. And um and everybody berates you and calls you names or they try to ask you more questions to see how how consistent your logic can be and all that stuff. But on the other hand, that is that's one hell of a dream if someone had it. That would change me too, man. That would change me too. That'd be like that that'd be like uh, surviving the the, the War of the Worlds machines. Let's take a call. 412, you're on the air. What's up? Best show ever. Hello. So here's one. So here is one. Okay. The, um, I was, you talked about third person and first person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them sometimes where it's first person, but I'm not me. But anyway, this dream, I'm a, big Irish man, um, big redhead, and I'm on a beach, and I look over the horizon, and I see this landmass out there, 
and the beach is like a horseshoe, and the only access to the beach is on the two ends of the beach. You can't, behind me is a straight wall up. So I see this huge mass of water cresting this small island out from the beach. And I'm like, holy, oh my God. And I turn around and I go, I just started climbing up the wall. Um, because I couldn't make it to the, you know, I knew I wouldn't make it to the end. And I didn't make it. And I was so ashamed because there were women and children on the beach. And I was so ashamed of this big man that I didn't even, that I died without even attempting to yell to warn people or to grab a kid and try to make it. It wouldn't have made any difference, mm. but I died ashamed. But then in the dream, this, I'm this big Irish guy, and I'm touring. I'm looking at my hometown, which is Dingle. And me, the real me, didn't even know a town named Dingle even existed. Anyway, there's this um, a tsunami hit. Anyway, he toured me all through the town, showed me up and down the streets, different buildings, and he loved this town with all his heart. So I woke up from the stream. It was very disturbing. And I was like, I'm so weird. And I. Um, my dad has odd dreams and stuff. There's a couple of us in the family that are odd. And um, I said, I had this weird dream, and it was a tsunami, but it was weird. It was in Dingle, Ireland. And I didn't even know there was a place called Dingle, Ireland. And he said, yeah, it is, and that's where all the people with our surname come from. I'm like, get, get the hell out of here. That's just crazy. And so I thought that was really nuts. And I'm like, yeah, but Dingle has never had a tsunami. I'm like, that's so weird. And um, the next week, the Thailand tsunami happened. And a friend of mine says, there had to have been a tsunami in Dingle. You're just weird like this. And I'm looking it up. And she looked it up. And here, when the Lisbon earthquake happened, a tsunami came up and hit Ireland. So that was sufficiently weird. So it has a couple of the elements of your previous callers um that is that is that, that, that is a, that is a crazy um a crazy turn of event well i think that because obviously um well to dream of a tsunami and have it happen anywhere that's a that's a pretty interesting <clears throat> synchronicity but uh, i think the you in the dream the night you went to sleep you did not know the name of the the, the spot in Ireland where you guys all come no, from. I never knew you, there so, was any. I thought that was a weird thing, a weird dingle to me. I mean, I think of dingleberries like on a dog's butt. Right, right. <laughs> terrible thing to say. I didn't know there was a town named Dingle Island. That's interesting. That, I mean, but I mean, that's me all around it. Oh, the crazier thing, I Google Earthed it and I found the beach. Did it look like the beach in your dream? And, I found the beach that I was standing on as the Irish guy that got swamped by the tsunami. And I, and then I Google earthed around Dingle and it was exactly how he showed me in the dream. Well, so that's kind of now there, now there's a, there's a story. Thank you so much for the call for one too. That's a wonderful. Yeah. My sister said I should do a book, uh, dead, my surname from Dingle. <laughs> and, uh, she said I should write a book and put all my dreams in it and call it dead, you know, Washed out, washed out. We well, should be washed out in Dingle. Thank you so much, four one two. What a wonderful call. Um, it, it, that's the that's the the greatest thing about that. If you learned that this this 
name, this city name came to you in a dream that you never knew about, that it actually was the point of origin for your family in another country. That it, It's not only, yes, it is a place in another country, but it is the exact point of origin for a at least a sizable portion of your family tree. That's pretty cool. To have learned about that in a dream, to have downloaded that in a dream is pretty cool. 914-595-6953. We'll take uh, one or two more if we can. Got a couple of uh, couple of things we can do here to, to lighten it up, but I think it's getting pretty light if you ask me. 928, you're on the air. What's up? Hey. Hello. All right. Um, am I on? Yes, indeed. Hi. Hi I'm on speakerphone, so let me get off speakerphone. Okay. Am I, with, am I speaking with Frank? Yes, yes, it's me. How are you? Who's this? I'm doing fantastic. Um, this is Denise. Denise, welcome to the show. So what do you got for us? What what hit you? I know we talked about a lot tonight. What hit you uh, What hit you most? Hey, well, listen, I'm so used to not speaking on the phone, having it through my ears. So I'm sorry if I'm practically shouting. I've been thinking about this episode for a while because talking about dreams. So, have you um, been having a lot of weird ones lately? Because that, that's the real thing. I, I Obviously, I, I take note and I document very striking dreams on this show over the course of years. There's many other ones that I haven't, that uh, I didn't, but the ones that I really referenced tonight are ones that I think that were all very closely related to each other and, and, and actually formed a, a string. And now I just feel like there's just, every once in a while, it feels like the, the static builds up and there's just something in the air and it just seeps into the dream world. So I'm wondering if anybody else is having that at the moment. So, but, but obviously, right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just so intensifying. Um, you can really, it's palpable. And what I'll do is I'll just tell you three dreams that link together, um, you know, corresponding to what we've been talking what you've been talking about and everyone else. And I'll try to keep it, you know, elevator pitch under a minute. No, um, no, no. Hey, do what so you, you got to do. I'm to be succinct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's that? Thank you. No, I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm sorry because of the delay. I keep interrupting you. Uh, so let me go ahead and, and say these three dreams if that's okay. Is, am I good to go? Oh, absolutely. I, I just kept saying I, I couldn't wait. I was excited. I <laughs> know. Me too. <laughs> Obviously. So I'll just like try to breathe, um, you know, and, and try not to uh, talk too fast. Um, so my three dreams, um, they've all, so interestingly enough, my first one that I just, when I started listening to your show about two years ago, um, you guys talked about the black box a lot, just the big black box. And about, uh, about six months before then I had a dream and I, I walked outside and there was huge cubic black boxes, like the symbol. And they were just in the sky and they were huge, I mean, you know, size of, you know, a spaceship, and there was a lot of them. My, the way I felt was calm, but like just as if you, you know, as if in real life it's going to happen. You walk out and you're just like, what the? And but this is intense, and just the ominous feeling, and just big black boxes. So once I learned more about the history and what they represented, and that 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 was way before Black Lives Matter and all that, and so you just enlightened me, and I never forgot that dream. The second one was a lot along like that. Where I was walking along the street at the time, I had moved back to my parents briefly in California. I had to get the hell out of there. I grew up in San Diego. But I was there walking on the street I grew up on. And, and, and as I'm walking, it's kind of like I am legend. It's, 
um, you know, the, it's the skyscraper. There's, the nature has overtaken. Mm. And I'm, I'm walking along with my dog, and um, there's a snake next to me on the left. And it was around the time you were talking about the Vatican and the snake eyes and, and all that imagery. So I understand how some of it was in my subconscious. But I'm walking along, and there's a huge snake next to me, you know, Harry Potter size. And I'm not scared, but it's coming, it's coming along me on the left. And as I'm kind of conscious of it, and, you know, there's other animals around, but it suddenly goes forward very fast and then comes in front of me and looks me dead in the eye. And as soon as it looks me dead in the eye, like I'm confronting it, it looks me dead in the eye and I start thinking, there's some real evil here. And I get pulled out of my dream. I don't think, I have a lot of interesting dreams. I'm a vivid dreamer like yourself. I wish I could just have a sleepless night. I mean, it's not a sleepless, it's a dreamless night. But the way I got pulled out of that dream was very unique. It was like some something pulled me by the, like, the scruff of my neck and it was definitely... It felt like an angel. It just it swooped me and kind of spun me out, and that's when I woke up and I was like, "Whoa!" I remember telling my mom the next morning, and we were just it was intense. I'll never forget that dream. And then the, just to kind of wrap it up, the third one was just last week. And I'm here at my house now. I'm in uh, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and we'll I'll fall my back patio, and I'm seeing a, a commercial plane, and I'm just standing there. And it's just kind of observing, and as I'm observing it, the plane is really low, and of course it's a dream, so it doesn't make any sense. It more or less, it, I don't think it stopped, but it's just it's bombing. But it's just, it's a it's a passenger plane. It's not making any sense, and it's not it's just throwing objects from it, and they're coming down very fast, and they're just hitting the earth and pulverizing. And it's not far away. So Denise, so, it's so Denise, towards me, and I'm just, just 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 for brevity now because we're we're getting a little long in the tooth. But tie how all these things you said feed into each. How do you how do you take this as part of a very succinct trilogy? A couple seconds. Yeah, um, sorry, and that was just basically that it's all kind of about like how yours was when you were watching Aurora. It's just it's that feeling of something's about to happen. I'm not sure what, but. And you're able, and, and, and there's, powerful. and there's some kind of a factor inside of it that you're, you're, I mean, in in the second dreams case, obviously you were, you were pulled out of it. It wasn't something that you were actually consciously looking for a, a way out. You were, you were yanked by something else. So it's about that that build up and that build up and a bailout. So I guess the real question is, and the real question is, and thank you so much for that, Denise. Uh, it's it's wonderful to have you on, and I and I, I envy whatever weather you're having right now because uh, it's the the end, <laughs> the end of February in New York is in, in into March is just a slog. But thank you for the call. I'd have to imagine, and I had to wrap it up because it's at nine o'clock now. Um, the real question is that. Are we always going to be pulled back from the brink? Is it always going to be looking into the eyes of chaos and then, and then, oh, okay, well, that, that was a close call. Is that really what it always is going to be? I, I, that, uh, I, I mean, hope. I, it would make for an exciting existence. I would want to have a little bit less exciting existence if that's the case. I don't want to do that over and over and over and over again. But um, who knows? I want to uh, I want to thank a few people uh, more on the super chats real quick. SoCal Patriot says the AI generated celebrity reminds me of the idol worship, worshiping of the creation over the creator. Yes, 
Thank you, SoCal. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the great divorce over here. Delona dropped an EMP, which is just incredible. Delona 55, thank you for your patronage and your support. Thank you for everybody. Thank you for everybody that's watching right now. We had a wonderful evening. I, I definitely <clears throat> I am happy with this being the last thing that we have going into the, uh, into the weekend. And I have a few more over here from Rumble. Live free or die, 1776. Is Rumble is still messing with your feed, Frank? I... I can tell because there's 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 usually around close to 2000 people at our peak about a week or two ago and now suddenly there's there's uh 700 500 because obviously people are going elsewhere to find, I don't know what's going on with Rumble and everybody insists it is it is unique to my channel and there is nothing different happening over here and of course Rumble, like every other, like most platforms, don't do dick to respond to people when they have technical issues. They need some troubleshooting. So I'll, I'll try to come up with some things to try in the new, in the new uh, week. I'm very sorry about that because I certainly don't want any of the flow of people that we've had go away from YouTube come back. Cave Toad, <clears throat> wow. Cave Toad just left a very, very generous, humbling, almost embarrassing uh, rumble rant with me. And Cave Toad says, thanks for the consistent, amazing content, Frank. I have no dream to report other than, quite frankly, keeps growing. Much love to you, the family, and the Franklies. Well, Cave Toad, thank you. And I hope I see you in the chat room on quitefrankly.tv over the weekend and that you have a good time with the rest of us. Uh, the weekend roundup is about to begin on quitefrankly.tv. Please head on over there and enjoy yourself. We're about to wrap up in just a second. Twisted Wizard over on Rockfin says, I've been keeping things spicy for 15 years, Frank. Still got it at 40. You just need to communicate what you want with your partner and be willing to uh, be. I have to like I have to read ahead with Matt now with uh, Twisted Wizard. I have to read ahead to make sure that. Um, I don't know. He's he just sometimes it's it's uh, it's it's crazy what he says. That your party and be and with your partner and be willing to be good, giving and game for anything. Game for anything. Well, I we'll see. See what anything entails. Obviously, there's a lot of freaky freaky things going on in the wizard household. Uh, Albert Frederick says, I cannot remember any dream I have had in my life. Maybe I will have one before I leave this place. Or am I dreaming now? I knew he was going to go there. And if he hadn't gone there, I was going to say, well, Albert, how do you know? Is this real life? And there it is. Or am I dreaming now and we'll wake up soon? So I'm inclined to ask, is it real life? He says, honestly, I can't answer. Just ask the question. Dooku Dan says, Frank, have you been aware of if when your dreams are in color or black and white, do people look like they're talking, but you have no memory of voices, no faces seen, just heard voices? What descriptive attribute of the dream is most salient? For example, sounds or textures. I don't know if it's in color or if it, I think it's in color. Because I have vivid memories of dreams that took place on bright, sunny, beautiful days. Again, that I'm at my grandmother's house. 
and and other places and i i mean i can where the the colors are vivid the, the green of the grass the distinct warm yellow sun of like you know the noon i just i i do it but maybe that's just my imagination there are there's plenty of times that there are faceless people that I'm just assigning certain roles to, but it's not that everybody by law is faceless in my dreams, and uh, and sometimes there are, sometimes there are there's voc- vocal fuzziness, but there is voices as well. I have memory of voices. I definitely do. Derek from Pennsylvania says, "What? Oh, they, this is it about the depopulation and what if AI is to make it all less noticeable when people are living in a." Strictly virtual world. Well, a lot of great things to think about, creepy things to think about, and we'll be able to get back to all of that in in good time on Monday. And who knows? You know what? If it's if we get a, some kind of a decent weather weekend, maybe finally I go outside and have a cigar and uh, and start up a a stream. It just has not been good. Does not been comfortable weather lately, and. That's it. So maybe I'll have a cigar with Winston around the fire. Maybe we'll just we'll just we'll we'll get to know each other and 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 try to work out all of our issues. But thank you guys and gals for everything. Um and that's all. You know what there is one more thing. There is one more thing. And I have to invite everybody if you uh if you don't like dirty language and if there's children in the room i'm going to give you a moment to let everybody out this is for the rest of us uh our uh our depraved selves just a little funny way to end the night elon musk had elon musk had uh shared a 38 second video today this morning at 1 a.m and it's called check out my spicy only gans so he's he, it's a joke about him joining OnlyFans, but it's a uh, it's a it's a cut together video of supposedly him, Jordan Peterson, and Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience, and all of the video audio, all of the characters' voices are generated by AI to have this ridiculous, filthy conversation go on between them, and it was tweeted out there one o'clock in the morning. So, for those of you who don't like this kind of talk. Don't say I didn't warn you. It's time for you to leave. And for the rest of you, uh, enjoy this one because it, it caught me by surprise and I don't even know the make of it. Here we go. So, Elon, recently you made an OnlyFans account. Can you tell us a bit about it? Sure, Joe. So you may have heard that Tesla stocks are down the past year. So to recover a bit of cash flow, I wanted to share some tasteful nudes with the world. So do you have your penis out on full display or what? In some of them, yeah. Okay, nice. In my own OnlyFans, I try to play around with strategic nudes. I don't (laughs) mind showing my lovely nipples or having my stunning ass on display, but I've never had my cock out in full blast. (laughs) Yeah, it just depends on what you're comfortable with, right? I don't mind having my dick out. At home, I have it out all the time. It just made sense to share that aspect of my life with the world. Definitely, Elon. I think I speak on behalf of the entire world when I say that we feel blessed with your beautiful, tasteful nudes. So, Elon... (laughs) When Jordan Peterson says strategic nudes. Oh, man. That was good. I needed that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just a nice little palate cleanser at the end. Nice little palate cleanser. 
That's all I have. Good night. I'll see you all soon. Get to quitefrankly.tv and enjoy the rest of your Friday night with us. If you have nothing going on and you're just chilling out, and if you're going out, have a uh, safe evening, and I'll see you on s Sunday night. We've, we decided tonight. Sunday night, the big feature is going to be Tropic Thunder, and I can't wait. Goodbye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, is film of our live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Albert Frederick, Dooku Dan, Derek from PA, Jordan Hull, Stostube, Dan, Dad named Dan, Mark Swan, Free Dubs, Jared H, Octawa, Valuna, Abby Selvi, Twisted Wizard, and all of our wonderful friends on Rumble, and especially Cave Toad, who I'm going to have to dedicate the, the March. Saturday night show too because of this one. Thank you so much and thank you everybody over on uh, on Foxhole who has just blown it up. Good night. Like these broadcasts. Thank you. really went downhill after the World Trade Center. You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, right. Nostradamus. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. It's two different things completely. Interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback in Notre Dame. One's a fucking cathedral. Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never pondered that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No. 